Welcome to Authentic Health Fridays on The Jason Wright Show. This segment empowers you to reclaim control over your well-being and live a life aligned with your body's natural design. I am thrilled to guide you through insightful conversations and practical advice, all geared towards helping you achieve the vibrant and balanced life you deserve. In this dynamic series, we have the privilege of tapping into the expertise of a true visionary in the field of health and wellness, Dr. Gus Vickery, the founder of Authentic Health, located in the scenic heart of Asheville, North Carolina, is more than just a renowned author and speaker. He's a beacon of wisdom in the world of precision medicine and integrated health. Each episode, Dr. Vickery will be your trusted companion on a journey to unlock the secrets of authentic health. Drawing from his extensive knowledge and expertise, he'll share invaluable tools, tips, and information to guide you in understanding your body's unique needs and embracing the principles of precision medicine. Gus, we're back, man. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. It's great to see you in 2024, my friend. Likewise, my brother. And you know what? It's crazy because I told you that I just kind of decompressed over the holidays. I just kind of laid down my arms and just chilled. And uh, I did not I did not do a podcast episode since our last one. So we have but we both ended 2023 with an authentic health Friday, and we will be beginning. 2024 with an authentic health podcast. So it's pretty cool. And I'm very glad you took that time. You've been working hard as we discussed and having that just period of reflection and turning all the noise off, which honestly feeds right into our topic of habit change. Because for you, that was a pattern interrupt. You had to change some habits in order to have that space over the last couple of weeks that was so beneficial for you. Yeah, for sure. And one of the things that just so the listener knows, so what we want to cover today is this. So we, we know everyone loves to make their New Year's resolutions, set goals, however you want to define it. But one of the things that always happens, I think it's somewhere, Gus, like around February, if they make it to February, like something like 80% of New Year's resolutions have been just dismissed. They're gone. It's, it's, it's very difficult for people to actually set goals, set resolutions, and actually follow through with them. And a lot of the reason why is because they're leveraging willpower to try to get them through the actual, to, to try to sustain, whether it's exercising more, whether it's eating better, whether it's sleeping better. And so here's what I, what I thought we would do to tackle this as the, as the chief medical officer of the, of the operation, I think it would be good to really hone in on what these habits need to be for better health better body composition, better glucose levels, all the things that we talk about all the time. What I want to do is help the listener understand, here's how you make those habits that you want. Here's how you make them a reality. Here's how you create automaticity in your life by leveraging your neurochemicals, by leveraging habits you already have, by kind of you know going through the patterns of your day-to-day life that you already using and popping in some of these things that Gus is going to tell us that if you want to make 2024 a healthier year, a more joyful year, a year dedicated to health span and longevity and just living an overall more abundant life, well, here's the things that you need to do to make that happen, but here's how you turn those behaviors into habit. And so I guess let's start with, are we going to, because, and also Gus, we're going to be talking 
to the, the listeners throughout the first, you know, I don't know, maybe the first few months or whatever on the Authentic Health Fridays about how you do some of these things. And then we're also going to be coming at them with some some protocols. And I think that's one of the things too, that when I say protocols, I mean like supplementation. And that's one of the most, diff- it's got to be for a physician, one of the most difficult things for you is you can tell all the people you want, here are the things you need to take to move the needle towards uh, detoxification, towards mitochondrial health, towards all better sleep. But if they don't create the habit of actually going and popping those bottles open and taking the supplementation at the right time in conjunction with a nutritious diet, then it's almost for not. I mean, is that is that accurate? Absolutely. And it, it, it's one of those where I'm sympathetic. I understand the challenges of managing this and having it be this extra component to every day. But at the same time, I'm also kind of like, no offense to anybody, I'm kind of rolling my eyes because, you know, it's about the value proposition at the end of the day. We change because there's a certain value, uh, amount of value to whatever that change is going to produce for us. And, but at the same time, we might not be experiencing that value immediately. So it's, we're having to wait and trust that the process is going to result in us getting that value. Now, any positive change someone has made, and then they receive the value, they always look back and they're just so glad that they did it. They stuck with it and then sticking with it long enough that it just becomes their new automated program, which you alluded to in the beginning with how people just kind of fall off of it, even after they've gotten the value. But the thing with the support of the body through supplementation, again, whether it's detox, gut, nutritional support, uh, cell membranes, mitochondria, we're arrived at a time, and we've emphasized this over and over again, where the combination of our food quality and the toxicity of our environment, we have to provide our body extra support. We just do. That's just part of the equation now. It wasn't part of the equation necessarily 150 years ago, but I bet you people who lived 150 years ago would have loved to know that they could have used some of these support supplements, and especially when food wasn't as abundant or something of that sort. And, you know, like when somebody is starting these protocols, you know, there's a certain percent of them are doing it because they're, they're already healthy, they feel good, but they want even better health they want, or they're protecting their future health. Um, it, but there's a lot of them that are doing it because they need to get into better health. They do not have a state of good health, and there are manifestations of that. Fatigue, emotional uh, issues, whether it's you know, poor stress mitigation, sleep issues, depression, loss of focus, anxiety, worry, all this type of stuff. They have gut symptoms. They might have headaches or migraines, musculoskeletal complaints, skin inflammation, eczema, psoriasis, acne. So they have these conditions, these manifestations of poor health. And you're telling them, if you'll follow this process, there's a high likelihood all of that will go away. And not only will you not experience these negative things, you'll also have this abundance of emotional well-being and great energy and great focus and feel great in your body and all these things. And all you have to do, and this is a little bit of an oversimplification, but maybe it's a case where it's really just detox. All you've got to do is discipline yourself, which holds some total of time is two to three minutes a day, right? That's all it's going to take out of your day to taking these capsules or using these powders these time, this many times a day. That's it. That's all you got to do. And now you're sitting in front of me telling me it's too burdensome to do as opposed to living in the state that I just described. And I just, that doesn't add up in my mind. Now I'm going to stay compassionate and sympathetic and I'm going to keep motivating people. That's what I've learned to do. I'm not going to judge people, but that mindset I do judge, right? Uh, That's too much trouble to experience good health. 
And so I think you touched on something that is almost cliche at this point, but is you have to get this. I, I tell anyone that I'm coaching or training on habit formation, you have to define why does this want, why do you want this habit? What, and you mentioned that. And so to the listener, here's the thing that I would tell you right now. If you have set a new year's resolution for yourself, whether it's to lose weight, whether it's to just walk more, whether it's to eat better, whether it's to start uh, to, to start focusing on longevity. Maybe you've listened to the podcast and you thought to yourself, you know what? I want to start focusing on my future self. I want to meet myself in the future and, and be happy with the future me that I meet. Whatever the case may be, you have got to truly, and I would say, start right now, pull out a journal, pull out a piece of paper and write a contract with yourself and determine why you want this good health. And if it's just, if you just set a new year's resolution, for example, that and it starts with, I want to lose 10, 10 or 15 pounds. And you can't tell me exactly a why beyond other than because I want to fit back in my clothes. Uh, I just want to look better. That is a perfectly reasonable why, but it's probably not going to be a why that sustains you. And I'm going to tell you why. Because you've lived pretty comfortably with this bigger you for probably some time. You were, you were able to live with yourself long enough to get there. You've lived with yourself long enough to have the 10 to 15 extra pounds. So therefore, it's only going to be willpower that gets you through that. And I want to talk real bit, real quickly, tactically from the standpoint of why willpower, if any of you out there are trying to create a habit, why willpower will not work. It's because when, will, now, willpower does have its value. It will help get you started. But if you're using willpower in February and March to get you to the gym, to get you to not eat the things that you want to eat, to eat less, then there becomes a struggle and there becomes a battle. If you're leveraging willpower, that means that there's something in you. Your will is having to push through some form of resistance. And eventually, if you battle long enough, you will become battle weary. So what you have to do is you have to make this something that is habitual. So the first step, you need to define the why. Why do you want to be in better health? Why is it worth it to you? Because the why will pull you through those times of resistance. If you can clearly identify why it is you're doing the things you're doing and it means enough to you, then the disappointment of not performing the task, of not taking the supplement, of of not doing the right nutritional habits that you know are going to be healthy, that will let you down to a point where you will feel that intrinsic pain and it will pull you through. So first is get the why. And then tactically, if it's all right, Dr. Gus, I'd like to talk about the supplementation. And I've got a real easy one that folks, this is how you create a habit. So our mutual friend, Dr. James Quandall, uh, not Dr. James Quandall, James Quandall, um, Whenever he had his podcast, he still has his podcast. He needs to revive it because it's a great show. He sent me a guest kit one time. I don't know if you got a guest kit because you were a guest on his show before you were a guest on my show, but he sent me some Thorn Vitamin DK2. Now, if listener, if I just decided that I wanted to implement the consumption of vitamin DK2 in my diet and decided, you know what, I am going to, and it's in, it's a, it was liquid, it's drops. I'm just going to start taking my DK2 every day. I've never done it before. before. And now I'm just going to start adding it to my daily protocol. Then I have to create something completely. I have to create a completely new behavior that I've never done before. Okay. So I didn't do that. Instead, what I did was a habit stack. 
And you can look at this from BJ Fogg's Tiny Habits, which BJ Fogg, and we'll talk about that a little bit further uh, in a minute. But and then James Clear, he made it famous. He made BJ Fogg's techniques very famous by in the book Atomic Habits. And this idea of habit stacking means taking something that you're already doing and implementing the new habit with that. So you don't have to change your behavior at all. And so what I did is I started taking and and every morning I make a little elixir. This is what was going on before I was decided to take the vitamin DK2. I put some four sigmatic coffee, you know, mix that up and I'll put some turmeric and some saline cinnamon. And then guess what? I just added some vitamin DK2, two drops of it in my morning elixir. That's it. I did not have to change my behavior at all. And that's the key. You want to find as many things as possible. And since we started on supplementation, that's one of the things that I would encourage all of you. Find something you are already doing and match the new behavior that you want to, 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 to start. Match it with something you're already doing. Otherwise, you're going to have to remember. And as simple as it sounds, Dr. Gus just told you, he has patients. He's seen thousands of them that will say, it's just too much. I can't remember to take the supplements. There's a reason why there are all those little plastic containers that have the days of the week on them. They wouldn't be making them year after year after year. When you go to grandma and grandpa's house, they wouldn't have those if they weren't of some use. It's because people have a hard time remembering to start this new behavior that, by the way, you don't have an immediate satisfaction. When you wake up with morning breath, it's pretty easy to go to the bathroom and brush your teeth. Everybody wants to talk about that as like this. It's an automatic habit. I get up and brush my teeth. Well, it's also automatic because you don't want to walk around with a funky mouth all the time. You have immediate gratification. Your mouth feels fresher after you brush your teeth. When you take a supplement, you feel nothing immediately. And so I think it's important to also all these things to figure out if I don't get an immediate, if the feedback loop is really long and I want to, and I'm going to try to figure out a way to just do it without having to think about it, figure out the habits that you already have and associate them with that. And then it just becomes no behavior change. It just adds to an already existing behavior. Sound good? Yes. I mean, is, is, did I miss anything there? No, I think you covered it really well. And we talked about that, like with hormesis about you can combine your cold exposure, your breath work, and the, you know, like all the different things that you can stack into a uh, habit. But it was starting by piggybacking onto existing habits that are good. And uh, in this interview, by the way, audience, um, Jason is like a, a ninja on habit change. He's got a course, Massive Transformational Habit. Like he knows, he's studied the books, the techniques, the mindsets, the neuroscience. He'll be doing more talking in this podcast than I will because he's, he's trained in how to coach people through change. I've, uh, I've read the books and studied it as well because I was involved in a clinic seeing ultimately tens of thousands of people who often were presenting with health issues that they wanted to resolve. They wanted to feel better. And uh, I learned, of course, throughout my work that the body doesn't orient to disease, it orients to health. And disease is really an absence of health. It's as state that you eventually end up in when health is not uh, present, right? But as long as health is present, then disease is minimized or it's pushed way downstream anyway. Uh, and so I realized that we don't just have to find the next pharmaceutical option for the migraines or the next, you know, whatever strategy for the reflux or that the next glycemic lowering medication for the diabetes. 
we could actually begin to restore health and resolve those conditions altogether. But that was going to take a couple of things. It was, there were going to be things that that person needed to start doing, right? That they were not currently doing. And there were things they were going to have to stop doing <laughs> that they were currently doing. And we'd have to identify what are those things, right? And, you know, in the case of someone with reversing diabetes, it was probably a number of things. And I'm going to have Jason talk about this in a moment where we're talking about the little baby steps that we take in the process. We play the long game, not the short game. But with that person with the diabetes, that maybe they are eating way too many processed carbohydrates, eating too frequently, snacking at night. But the biggest issue is the two liters of uh, high fructose corn syrup containing cola that they're drinking every day. Right? If we were going to pick one thing to move the needle on their disease condition, it would be that would be the first thing. And we know that we get tremendous results just from that. So we're going to say, okay, we got a lot of things we need to stop doing and a number of things we need to start doing. But the most impactful thing will be this one thing. So we're just creating a plan for this one thing. It, it how Whether it's one month or two months from now, that, that sugary beverages are not part of your habit matrix any longer. And that would involve, of course, those baby steps and transitional steps. Like it's not always about going to the perfect option, the, the one that you, you know, when it comes to health, the healthiest option, it's often about choosing a less harmful first option. So in the soda case, it would be, can we get you over to a diet soda that tastes reasonably good to you, even though I don't like artificial sweeteners? and caramel coloring and all these other additives, that's a lot less harmful for you than the high fructose corn syrup if you have diabetes. And then once we get you to that stage, then we can usually get you on down to a sparkling water with maybe some added flavor or something. And eventually we can get you to not needing sugary beverages whatsoever, um, but enjoying them. Anyway, um, the idea though was that we've got to be able to start doing some things and stop doing some things. The more that we can piggyback off what we're already doing, and that process and stacking it together uh, makes it a whole lot easier. And then how we can transition the idea around desire, because that would be the conversation we would have is the why for these people, right? Because I knew how hard it was going to be for someone who needs to lose 40 to 50 pounds while retaining their muscle to reverse a diabetic state that's requiring multiple medications and end up with normalizing metabolic health and normalizing body composition. I, I knew that that's going to take a long time and it's going to require perseverance. You also know that in today's culture, virtually any bad habit you're trying to unwind, there's a, an entire milieu of, uh, you know, advertisements and marketing and peer group influence and all these things working against you, right? Like there are brilliant people who are strategizing this day how to keep you addicted to whatever it is that you may be addicted to. And they're going to figure it out and they're going to keep upping the ante against you. And that's the game you're, you know, you're what you're working against. And so you have to like understand this, uh, the game you're playing, first of all, right? It's not just you against yourself, right? And against uh, for your prior, prior established habit patterns. It's you against your prior established habit patterns, but against also all kinds of brilliant people who want to make a ton of money off of keeping you entrenched in the behavior pattern you're in right now. So you have to understand that. And then I would often use that to stoke some righteous anger in that person. These are people who don't care about you. In fact, they're harming you with what they're doing. They're manipulating you with the product. They're manipulating your neurochemistry. They're manipulating you with deceptive advertising. And they're doing this so they can take your money 
or your time or your attention and leaving you with poor health. You should be angry at them. You should want to deprive them of any influence over you. And that can be helpful from that type of motivation. I'm not going to give my time, attention, or money to a company that's destroying my health. Yeah. But then we'd focus on all the positives, of course, and would have them write it down. Like, this is the value proposition. And we've talked about it before. If they enter into that virtual reality chamber where they go into a meditative state and they breathe and they begin to imagine what it's like to be in this new body and how it would feel to wake up tomorrow morning and have the body functioning all optimally and how good they would feel and how confident they'd feel. And they can create that sense in their mind and they'd be like, man, I will do anything to have that. And then they can kind of keep revisiting that every single day so that why stays front and center and they don't get it in to the small temptations uh, that are, well, they're not small temptations, the large temptations, but to do small little things that erode progress. So it's uh, an enormous amount of time in the trenches for me trying to help patients figure out that, 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 that process. And so next week, and when we move into body composition as a focus, um, for who knows how many episodes till we really have the audience believes they're competent to get it done. Um, this is what you're going to have to apply, you know, what we're teaching you right here. And the supplement piece is a really important one because for those who opt to use our body composition optimization protocol, which works fabulously and minimizes pain and craving and challenge because of the way we support nutrients, you will be using a support stack. That's the way you get it done. And you'll understand why after we have that conversation. And you'll have to discipline yourself around it. But when you understand that it'll give you all the nutrients you need without having to eat food and it's going to reduce hunger and reduce cravings and improve mood and improve response to training, you'll start going, wow, I'll do that. And then one month in, when you're realizing the benefits that it actually does what I'm saying and you're experiencing it, then nobody has to remind you anymore. It just becomes what you do. I kind of wandered a bit all over the place. I want to back up and let the habit master change, the habit change ninja really smooth us back into some conversation around how we get this done. Well, the, the last thing you were talking about there that it really got me to thinking about something that, so everyone listening to this podcast, and I hope that there are thousands and millions of you either when this first airs or throughout the course of time. If you're listening to this, I think you need to decide who you are. And if you're listening to a podcast that is entitled Authentic Health Friday, then that means that you are someone who either seeks to be healthy or is healthy and wants to stay that way. So therefore, you have created somewhere in the recesses of your mind an identity that associates you and health. Now, what's funny about this is over the holidays, I saw two different people that had recently read Peter Tia's book, Outlive. One was at a Christmas party. And we talked and the guy's not, he's not someone that you would look at as the picture of health, but he was reading that book. So that, that, that alerted me that he or he, he was telling me about that he had read this book called Outlive. I said, yeah, that's Peter Tia's book. He said, yeah. And so that let me know that this guy has all of a sudden, for one reason or another, decided to associate himself with Peter Tia and that book. And then as, on the other hand, I was doing a Peloton class yesterday, and Matt Wilpers is talking about Outlive, a very healthy Peloton instructor. The dude is you know, the picture of health, former Division I cross-country uh, uh, runner. And he's reading it. So both people share an identity, although one you would never see teaching a Peloton class. The other, 
you would expect to be doing the Peloton class, but both of them had a shared identity. So why I bring that up is that if you're listening to this podcast, you're going to listen to this series, then go ahead and assume that the identity right now that you are someone who prizes good health. You, you, you value good health. And so therefore you are a healthy person. And this is incredibly important as you make this journey, because whenever you, whenever you're faced with those decisions, like what Dr. Gus was talking about previously, do I drink that full-leaded Coca-Cola or don't I? Well, if you are identifying yourself as someone who cares about their health, at a, at a minimum, you're going to question that behavior because that behavior will not match your identity. I've done this with Gus before whenever we were sitting here talking where I put a cigarette in my mouth. And all of a sudden, it's like, wait a minute, Jason, right? The improve all ways and all ways, longevity, you know, goofball doing you know, all these random things going, that's going to go to Asheville, North Carolina to figure out how to never turn 50. What he's smoking a cigarette that doesn't match. And as odd as that would be for you to see, it's every bit as odd for me to perform that task. It doesn't match up. So you determine right now who your identity is. Another thing too, that, uh, that while we're talking about the Coca-Cola and the sugary products, a lot of this stuff, it's going to seem so unbelievably obvious. But unless you have actually implemented these things, it's not. If you are an alcoholic who wants to stop drink, drinking but still keeps a liquor cabinet in your house, you're doing it wrong. That A lot of this is environmental. You have to – so let's just re, real quickly before I keep going forward, let's recap where we are right now on habit formation and behavior change. One, you start by taking those, those habits you want to develop and answering the question of why. Why is this important to me? Secondly, what are the behaviors that I'm already performing that would lend to me actually being able to incorporate this new habit, this new behavior without changing my existing behaviors? For me, it's getting up in the morning and having my morning elixir that I just throw some DK3 in or DK2 in. No problem. Third, what is my how what is this identity that I want to have? Do I want to have the identity of a healthy person? If so, what is that going to mean in changes in my decisions based on the new behaviors that I want to develop? And then fourth, environment is so key. Dr. Gus talked about Coca-Cola, you know, chips. I mentioned the alcoholic or the, the person that's trying to stop drinking, keeping a liquor cabinet in their house. As simple as it sounds, you have to create an environment that reinforces the success that you seek. So, and I, and look, let me tell you something. I was one of these guys that whenever I decided to no longer drink alcohol, I, I decided to keep a few bottles of liquor in the, in the cabinet, just in case I had guests that did drink. They wanted to come over and have a drink. I wanted to be a hospitable host. Well, that was dumb. When I got real with myself, I thought, you know what? There's going to come a time where I come in, I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I've had a hard day and I'm weak. And if the alcohol is there. I'm not saying I would go grab the bottle of scotch and have a scotch on the rocks, but guess what? It would be really easy to do that. And so therefore what I had to do was I had to create resistance. So here's something I want you to lean in. I want you to turn your radio up. I want you to tell the kids to be quiet and listen to me because I'm about to give you BJ Fogg's behavior model 101. It is this, it is this simple. If you are trying to break a habit, and create a new behavior, you have to make the old bad habit hard to perform. 
Okay. You're going to have an X and a Y axis and the X is going to represent the motivation. So your motivation to stop it is going to be really high. So therefore they, or the, excuse me, reverse that the motivation to perform the bad habit is always going to be high. It's always going to be easy to want to check your phone in bed. It's always going to want to be, it's going to be easy to want to have that Coke. Your motivation is there because it's what you know and you like it. Your body likes it. Your mind likes it. You get a little dopamine hit when you do it. Online shopping, when you've got a closet overflowing, it's always going to be, the motivation to do it is always going to be easy because the reward's easy. So what do you have to do? You have to make it hard to do it. So for me, like example, for example, taking the, looking at my phone in bed, I don't want to scroll. The motivation, if the, if, if the phone is sitting there, the motivation is always going to be high to look at the phone. So what do I do? I move the phone into the kitchen. It does not stay in the bedroom with me. Now I've made the ability to do it. I've leveraged, I've taken and made it harder to do. It's the same thing with food and creating the environment. Make the things that you want to break off harder to do. I told you again, harping on the vitamins, again, the vitamin DK2. If I wanted to, I, I had to make it easy to take. That is a, the motivation was sort of there, but I'm really, not, I don't wake up and hit my feet at the floor and go, oh, I can't wait to get that vitamin D in my system. It doesn't happen. So I, there's really no real intrinsic motivation other than it's the right thing to do. So what I have to do is make it really, really easy to do. So the, the behaviors that we're talking about that you want to create, you need to, you need to match as much motivation as you possibly can. And sometimes if you're not motivated to do it, if you're not motivated to go to the gym, then here's what you do. You find something that you are motivated to do and link those two things. For example, I read a, I read an example where this individual wanted to lose some weight, wanted to exercise more, hated to exercise, couldn't stand exercising, but loved binging Netflix shows. So what they did was they, and so they were already motivated to do this behavior. That was easy. So what they did is they paired, this is kind of the habit stacking, they paired the habit of watching and binging Netflix shows while they rode their Peloton. So now I'm motivated. And then what? here's what will happen. Here's what's really cool. I, I did this for Abby, Dr. Gus, whenever she was going through physical therapy, when she tore her ACL at University of Colorado and she'd been skiing, she hated physical therapy. She called me one night and she was just, just beat down, couldn't stand the idea of having to go. It was after dark and she was having to go to physical therapy. I said, all right, I want you to try something. I want to change your whole, I want you to reframe this. I want you to, after you go get your physical therapy, I want you to go get an amazing cup of coffee, a little treat. Go, is there something that you could do that would be such a blast after you do your physical therapy? She said, yeah, that, there is. I could go, you know, do whatever, go to, the, go to a coffee shop or something like that. I said, okay. So right now, I want you to create the habit that I want you to say that every time you go to the physical therapist, post-physical therapy, you go to this coffee shop or whatever. And now, all of a sudden, when it's time to go to physical therapy, you realize, yeah, I've got to go to physical therapy. But on the other side of that is the coffee shop. There's a little dopamine hit. So therefore, those of you who are listening to this, you, if you want to start to manage those neurochemicals, then start to associate the drudgery that associates something that you got to get through with something you love doing on the other side of it. And just in like, for example, for me, I have these reports I fill out every week for one of my clients. I hate doing, I hate paperwork. Uh, it's boring. I can't stand it. 
But what I will do is I will turn on it. It's mindless and it's mind numbing work. Probably stuff like you have to do all the time. Dr. Gus as a physician these days that you're having to report all these things. So what I'll do is I will turn on a podcast that, or I'll turn on an episode of the office, something I never allow myself to sit and watch in the middle of the day. And it, it kind of, it kind of, now I get kind of excited. It's like, okay, gosh, I've got to do the reports, but also doing the reports. You know what that also means? I get to watch an episode of the office while I do them I have, or I get to listen to a podcast that otherwise I wouldn't sit still and listen to the outside of my car. So just thinking about shifting from the report to, oh, but podcast that kind of gives me that little dopamine hit to draw me to it because here's something else you have to understand and why this is important. When it comes to the neurochemical dopamine, the biggest, the biggest rush is going to come anticipating the thing, not doing the thing. You're the, all those you parents out there, your, your little kids, if they had little brain sensors on them. They had way more dopamine hitting right when they woke up Christmas morning and they were headed in the hallway than they did five minutes after they saw what they had received from Santa. That's just, that's it. it whenever a gambler is placing their bet, that's the height of the dopamine rush. Whether they, even if they win the hand, it's the anticipation of winning the bet that releases the dopamine more than actually winning itself. So if you can leverage that, if you can put something on the other side of the good behavior you're trying to create, that will pull you through because the anticipation of the reward that will release the dopamine and make your body naturally crave. And before you know it, this is crazy. I know you're going to think I'm nuts, but before you know it, you will find yourself looking forward to doing something that you once thought was an impossibility to ever do on a consistent basis. Yeah, it's critical. And a lot of people know about dopamine um, and they, they mistake it as a, as a pleasure chemical, which it's not. It's a, it's a neurotransmitter that does a lot of things in the body, but it is our primary motivational neurotransmitter. It's designed to create drive, to create, I want to go after whatever it is. And it's also typically associated with adrenaline as well, right? So energy to go after that. So food creates, you know, a, a dopamine is associated with food seeking behavior. Now, depending on the foods you eat, if they contain certain types of elements, they then are associated with the release of in, endogenous or like in your body endorphins and opiate like compounds. And in some cases, also the serotonin pathway, right? So ending up elevating your bliss uh, neurotransmitter serotonin so that you get this response where you feel good. And then what the dopamine does is entrains the drive for the things that produce that for you. That's why also exercise is associated with dopamine because at the end of your exercise, a good habit, you typically, depending on what, how long you've gone and what you've done, you end up releasing those same endogenous opiates and endorphins, which creates this sense of euphoria. And so what we're really chasing after are things that are going to give us a sense of relief or euphoria. And what our society has done is a great job of just, you know, helping us mainline that. So. They figured food chemists and, you know, uh, neuroscientists figured out sugar is a fast track to, you know, in this direction. And that if you can just simplify food down to almost pure sugar, that people will not be able to control themselves, so especially depending on your genetic variants. Some people will absolutely not be able to control themselves. But the same thing is true of fat to some extent and 
beefy or bacon type flavors. That's why bacon is added to so many things. Like you'll find bacon in date products. You would never think to have bacon. Now they put bacon on donuts, right? And they do it because it has a high concentration of glutamate. And we sense glutamate as a beefy or protein type flavor. Salt can do it as well, right? So these flavors, which from a primal perspective, were designed to have this run to run after things that we actually needed in our body sugar for energy fats to maintain cell membranes and body protein which we had to have and then salts for minerals i mean so these things were all but we, we never could have found them in a mainlineable form at those times right? we got them with fiber and other ingredients and things of that sort the closest thing was maybe fruit or honey uh at that time and which wasn't just available uh in infinite quantities limited quantities when you found it so, um, you know, obviously a lot of chemicals can cause this. So alcohol, nicotine, opiate type drugs, amphetamine type drugs, and the list is long. And then particular behavioral things. Tech is absolutely entrained to create this type of response in you, chasing after the reward, chasing after the reward. But with tech, a lot of it is not going to give you the opiate the endogenous opiates and endorphins. You just are chasing after the sense of reward or accomplishment, or you know something. And then, so there's actually less pleasure in that than there is in all the other things. Gambling, right? So all these things that are huge commodities in our market now make a fortune that people are locked into that are keeping them trapped. It's all based on our neurotechemistry, on programming that was good, designed as good to help us orient towards staying in good health and being productive, procreating, right? Sex is associated with an intense pleasure response. That would allow us to make more progeny, hopefully in the right construct of a family unit, you know? And then food for sustenance. And then um, exercise, physical fitness for capability, for potentials, for resiliency. Right? And so these were all it, it, it created in us to help us be healthy and survive. And now they've been pirated by the modern marketplace to keep us entrapped in a state of poor health and addiction in whatever form. And so it's really critical that we understand this and that we want to get control over our own brain. We want to become the people that we wish to become, that we actually desire to become. We do not want to be the people that our modern corporate overlords would have us uh, you know, trained to be, which is really enslaved to their system. And you have to kind of these, I know this could almost sound like some people like extreme language, but it's not, it's just the truth. You have to want to break out. You have to yeah. want to be Neo, the one and the matrix. Yeah, yeah. And unplug and say, I'm not going to be part of this any longer. I'm, I'm going to follow a different path. And if you do it, the rewards will come and they're going to be awesome because you will get endogenous opiates and endogenous endorphins and a lot of dopamine and a lot of serotonin and you will feel great and you'll get the kind of euphoria you were meant to get that doesn't isn't followed by some type of withdrawal and terrible feeling terrible. It's just followed by back to a baseline state of feeling good and everybody deserves it's, it should be our birthright to at least have the opportunity to pursue that. And I don't think that the vast majority of Westerners at this time in our life have necessarily ever experienced that because we, those that are younger than you and I, Jason, were born into this uh, cultural state right there where it was all, it's been from the time they were born, engineered foods, tech, and whatever other things they got introduced to at early stages of life. Meaning you didn't choose your habits. You didn't 
your what you think of as your preferences. Oh, I like this particular food. I like this particular activity or probably not the ones you chose according to your desire, your unique identity. They were entrained into you from an early age. And now they're just continuing forward because it's what you know. And you have to step out of that, which does get back to managing cravings in the moment because you will, no matter how well you program this, right? you've got your why, you've got your desire, you've, you've got the priorities of your desires worked out. My desire to, uh, not, to maybe not have diabetes is so much greater than my desire for a donut, right? So I bet in the moment, the donut's more compelling. So I've got to have that why. I've got to understand what I'm going after. I have to know what do I need to start doing? What do I need to stop doing? How to make what I need to start doing really easy to do? How I will make what I stop doing really hard to do? Make it so much harder to get to what I need to stop. And then set up the environment and set up the social support. Doing this in teams of people with partners is far easier than trying to go it alone and holding each other accountable and offering support. But you're still, no matter how well you program this, you're going to have these moments where the body, the entrained patterns are just going to pop up. And I want that, whatever it is, sugary Starbucks beverage. I want that sugary donut. I want that drink. I want that, whatever it is. And you have to be prepared for that moment. It's going to happen. And you have to be like anticipating it. And rather than being like, it's so powerful and now I'm stressed and I can't have it and I want it. You have to have walked into it and be like, yeah, I knew you were coming. And I'm sorry that, you know, and use all any of these tools that work for you. Maybe you go find another source of dopamine or serotonin that's actually healthy. So you do 15 minutes of some exercise or a form of breath work or a form of meditation or mindfulness that creates that at ease, blissful feeling instead of going and giving into whatever the craving was. So you find a substitute that actually gets you, uh, maybe not quite as quickly, but still gets you enough of what you're really looking for to uh, have you have some power over that craving. But the other thing is the cravings are associated with stress. And and stress is designed to turn off our higher mind and take us out of a mindful state. And then we're just going to do what our body is telling us to do. And if we can stay in that mindful state, in our higher mind state, that, that state where it's really you, not your entrained you, you, you're able to leverage and say, wait a second. Yeah, I do. That, that cookie in the break room looks awesome. And I think it would taste really good. But I know that it's not consistent with my desires, and what I'm becoming. I also know that whatever pleasure I get from it will be very short-lived and followed by guilt, remorse, and, and possibly like all kinds of other side effects from like a high blood sugar spike something. And that, it, and that this is scientific. If I can make it for 15 minutes and not give in, and reorient to something else, just get back into my workflow, go take a walk outside, the craving is going to subside. It's going to become very weak. And that's what you have to know. You come into it, it's going to happen. You don't freak out, get stressed. You knew it was coming. You have your toolkit to deal with it. And you also know you just need 15 minutes. And you can even tell yourself in 15 minutes, if I still really need it, I'll go get the cookie. But guess what? In 15 minutes, if it's not because of your desire, 98% of the time, you're not going to go get the cookie. you will be like, oh, no, that cookie doesn't look that good. And so it's like so important that you regain mastery in the moment over in every moment of the who is it I wish to be and who am I becoming and how do I maintain uh, the behavioral pattern that's a fit with that identity and be just be prepared. Um, most people that I spoke to in the past who struggled with cravings for sugar or whatever 
had just never thought about it this way. You know, the craving hit and what else are they going to do? And to not do it felt so stressful. And the moment they were like backed up and were like, oh, I knew that was coming. It's three o'clock. Of course I was going to feel that. And that usually means my brain's tired and I want to go step outside and breathe and take in some sunlight or take a walk with my friend Sue, who always makes me feel better. Yeah. Or I'm going to spend this moment really thinking about that, you know, I did, um, I'm not, I'm, I'm not just a slave of the matrix. I don't have to give in. Like if it's a self-empowerment talk, whatever it is that gets you through that moment, it's critical, but you will make it. And then they come less frequently and then they're just not very, very powerful. And you get far enough out when you give in, you're like, that didn't even feel good. That didn't taste good. It didn't feel good. I don't think I ever want to give into that again. And you just stop and it's gone. The neural circuit has been obliterated and replaced with healthy ones. And it works. It really works. And one of the things that you mentioned there that I think is very important for this audience to know that so folks, so much of what we're talking about is this neurochemical manipulation. You have a cocktail of chemicals in your brain that if you learn how to use them, like it's, you know, Gus mentioned it earlier, the food industry, they know this. They have, I mean, it's kind of weird to think, but Nabisco has PhDs and chemists on staff that make a lot of money because they know how these neurochemicals work. They know how our hormones work. They know how our neurotransmitters work. And that's why you have MSG in so many foods because MSG creates the desire to eat more. That's why bags of chips are the size of feed bags. They don't want you to eat. It's not just a saying with Lay's potato chips that you can't just eat one. They know that they're willing to take that bet and use that as a marketing ploy because they know they have put a lot of money and brain power into making sure you did not eat just one. And so what you have to do is you have to figure out how can you release, or excuse me, how can you replace one dopamine hit for another? And here's one of the best ones. And every one of you have been subjected to it in one way or another. For example, if any of you have played Duolingo, which is how to learn a foreign language. It's an app. It is the most popular language app ever created. It has blown out of the water Rosetta Stone, any other that's been created. Do you know what they did that's different than Rosetta Stone to make people want to learn a foreign language? Is they gamified it. And if you know, if you've ever done Duolingo, you know that you receive different rewards as you move through different levels. Now, but there's also something else. So you get that dopamine hit by keeping a streak alive. That's what they decided to use as their primary gamification. It's the streak. Every single time you finish a Duolingo lesson, it does a little counter to show how many days in a row you've done your lessons. But it doesn't stop there. What they did was they did the research to figure out if people miss a day, what would it take to get them to come back? And you know what they found? If you just let them know that, hey, you missed a day, but you were frozen, you had done enough right, you had been able to accumulate enough points to where your day was were frozen. So if you just come back quickly, it won't count against you. Your streak will be saved. Most people actually came back. Before that, what they figured out is that if your, if your streak was broken, then that was it. People just wouldn't recover. It was over and they wouldn't come back. That the, the people that came back as a result of a frozen streak and keeping the streak alive, even though it had actually technically been broken and we're all adults, we knew it had been broken, but somebody's saying, it's okay, we're going to let your streak stay alive, they would come back. 
See, this is what the tech companies know. They're they're leveraging, they're figuring out what's going to keep you coming back to their apps. And then here's another funny thing. Duolingo, if you haven't checked in in like three or four days, and by the way, this, I can't recall the founder's name, but he does a TED talk where he gives you all this information on how they created Duolingo and how they've tapped into our brains to make us desire and get dopamine from learning a foreign language. Pretty awesome, right? And he said, the way they get people to come back after they've left for like three or four or five days is they'll send you an email or a, a notification that says, we really miss you. We, we, you haven't been, you haven't logged in for four or five days. He said, we use guilt because it's a, it's a big time motivator. So why do I tell you about Duolingo as it, as it relates to Dr. Gus and I talk about body composition, building good habits for health and really making a strong push towards a healthier you in 2024. It's because what Gus was talking about earlier when he said dopamine, you have to find that dopamine hit somewhere else. One of the biggest ways to do it is through gamification. And it's so simple. You don't have to create an app. You don't have to do anything. If you have, and for example, let's just take an easy one. Let's say you want to start moving. You want to get moved. So let's combine tiny habits gamification, and dopamine. So an environment, let's do all these things. All right, so first of all, let's say that you have never exercised in your life, but 2024, this is when it's going to start. And so you decide you are going to walk five miles, five days a week without fail. Here's my, here, here's my response to that. You're going to fail. You're going to fail. I'm just going to tell you right now, I have no faith in you whatsoever. And that's hard for me to say to anybody. But if you tell me you've never gone for a walk consistently and you're starting out five miles a day, five days a week, not only are you going to fail, but you're going to get pissed that you fail and you're not going to come back because here's what you don't have. You don't have the app coming saying, hey, it's okay. You missed today. Come back. You don't have the, uh, the, the email or the notification saying, we miss you. We're sorry. Guess you're leaving us. Goodbye. You don't have any of that. All you have is a thing you've never done before that you obviously don't find a lot of pleasure in. So therefore, you got to ratchet that back. So first of all, let's start with your ease. Let's make it easy and let's change the environment. Every day before you go to work, you are going to set out your walking shoes and whatever clothes that you would wear. And guess what? The goal is not to go to go on the walk. I mean, we're starting really tiny, really tiny. Your goal is not even to go to the walk. Your goal is to come home and change into your walking clothes. And that is it. That's it. Because here's what will happen. You will be wearing this reminder that you're supposed to be starting a new habit of going for a walk. And you're going to feel weird just sitting there on your couch, watching Netflix in your jogging shoes, in your, in your workout clothes. And then guess what? You're not going to walk five miles. You're not going to walk a mile. The goal should be you're just going to walk out the front door and just, just go. Maybe it's around your block. Maybe it's, maybe it's in your driveway. Doesn't matter. But here's where you replace the dopamine hit that Gus was talking about. You had the choice to come home, straight home from work and pour yourself a drink, eat a sugary whatever, do you know, sit down and start watching TV with a snack with a big feed bag of of Gardettos or something like that. So getting your breath all funkified, putting all those carbs and nasty chemicals in your body. That's so just the thought of doing all that feels pretty good. And all of a sudden the dopamine starts to hit. So how are you gonna combat that? Well. If you just put your shoes on, you put your clothes on, you walk out the door, you then you come back and you mark an X by that day. You've got a you've got a monthly calendar and you are going to start your own streak. 
you walked that day. Then the next day, you walk and you put the X. And then here's what will happen. Trust Uncle Jason. Trust Dr. Gus. You do this long enough. All of a sudden, the dopamine hit of making that X will replace the dopamine hit you are getting for the desire of the big feedback of Gardetto's crushing Netflix and just wasting your, your afternoon. You replaced one dopamine hit with another. And then here's what will also happen. You go long enough. You make these, you, if you start this streak long enough, then all of the sudden, like Dr. Gus was saying, the disappointment that you start to imagine in not having that X on your calendar the next day starts to become stronger than your desire for the Gardettos. And now you've made headway. That desire has, has, has taken precedence over the bad desire. So you go through it and you make the X and then all of a sudden it becomes such a draw and to where it's such a habit that making the X is easy. But the whole idea of it now, guess what? You don't even, you start to get the dopamine hit for the walk because you know it means an X on your, on your calendar. And so now all of a sudden you've created a behavior. Now it's gone from this thing you're trying to do. You're trying to get started. You want to be healthier. And then that, that first walk to the end of the driveway, maybe it is five miles. Maybe it's a hundred yards, but here's what I can guarantee you. You have replaced the dopamine hit. You've now made one dopamine hit outweigh one that probably still exists but also you've created the disappointment you've 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 created this mindset that oh my gosh i would love to go crush some gardettos get some real nasty breath on right about now and chase it with one of those full-headed coats that dr gus and, and jason don't want me to have but that desire to do that pales in comparison to the thought of me breaking this streak and so there are all different sorts of ways that you can start to manipulate. But the key is, you know, Dr. Gus was talking about and what the why dopamine exists. We would all die without dopamine. There was actually a study that was done on, they used some mice. I don't know if you saw this study or not, Gus. I may have mentioned it previously. But what they did was they took these, um, these mice and they fed them this like sugary water, sugary substance, whatever. They loved it. And then they came back and they wanted it, right? They were like all of us. They were addicted to the sugar. They loved it. Every time they went, they, they would have it. So, okay. So then they did an experiment. They, they took the part of the, the mouse's brain or they, they blunted it somehow to where the dopamine would no longer be produced. And they fed the mice the, the sugar water. They still loved the sugar water or whatever it was they were feeding them. Okay, but something strange happened without the dopamine, the mice ended up starving to death. They enjoyed it if they had it, but they had lost the craving for it. And I bring that story up to you guys to, to so that you understand dopamine is a good thing. It is meant for our survival. But like Gus mentioned earlier, it was meant to make us want to eat back when we were on the Serengeti trying to survive. We had to want food and eat it every chance we got because it was a means of survival. The food companies, they understand this ancestral design. And so what they've done is they did what I told you earlier about not scrolling in your bed where you are trying to break a habit. So you make it 
as hard to do as possible. What they did was they're like, hey, how can we match real ease of lots of tasty calories with the automatic motivation that is wired into every human being to survive and to eat? How can we match those up? Because let me tell you something, if you've got high motivation and you've got really easy to satisfy, you've got a home run. It's how tech companies do it. It's how food companies do it. Fast food companies. That's what they've done. And that's why now it is so easy to crush 1500 calories. You don't even have to really chew it up. You can just gum the crap. They have made it so easy and so tasty because they've matched that ease with the motivation that human beings have. And so therefore you put those two together with a dopamine hit, they've got you. And so you have to understand how this game is being played in your mind and in your neurochemistry. And once you do, then you just start to find other things to leverage that dopamine to, to get you to want something either, either on the other side. And also you can do this. You can, you can match them up. Let's say that you do the, the gamification that I was talking about. It's not a bad thing to say that, okay, after 10 X's mark the spot, then guess what? Day 11, I'm going to still put an X, but I'm going to reward myself with whatever treat. Have something there. Have a treat or something good that now you don't do just haphazardly, but you're moving towards. Maybe it's after 20 days of walking, 20, a 20-day 20 streak means that the next morning I get to go to Dunkin' Donuts, and I'm going to crush a donut, a sugary drink. I'm going to just blow it out that morning. Now, here's what will happen, and, and, and figure in for yourself. Bonus points if you don't, but it's okay if you do. And you will find that all of a sudden, oh my gosh, I'd kind of like some bonus points. And if you think, well, they don't mean anything, Jason, why would I? Well, guess what? Nobody's paying you to play Duolingo or Angry Birds or anything else either. And people are still crushing candy all day long. They're not getting rich, but just you just have to trust me. Our brains are weird. Rewards are weird. I mean, if you look at, um, there's this book or this uh, documentary on social media that uh, when they started the hearts and likes on Facebook, I mean, you're not getting paid for those likes. It's all a dopamine hit. You're manipulating your neurochemistry. So do not ever, don't underestimate the power of manipulating this neurochemistry to get yourself to create the behaviors you want because it's a very, very powerful thing. Yeah. And another side of the coin is you're working against that, but most individuals through my testing are actually deficient in essential amino acids, B vitamins, choline, and many of the other essential nutrients that actually help us to make dopamine, serotonin, and maintain just a normal balance, right? So now you're, what you're really dealing with is a population of individuals who are depleted in these actual neurotransmitters and chemicals who are now getting boosted through it. So it's a double whammy, actually. And so in my experience, as people optimize health, they address these factors. It's not just the reinforcement of the habit change over time. It's the state of well-being that they begin to exist in just negates the, the, the desires for these other things. They just go away. And that's, you know, true. It, it might not be true 100% of the time, but it's like 9% I mean, I think that's how you're living your life now, Jason. It's how I'm living my life now. Once a month, I go to this place called Avis Donuts. I don't know if they're a chain or not, but they make these incredible donuts. They really are incredible donuts. And I go there because my son has two or three guys who all spent the night. They're all 
high school athletes and they burn 5,000 calories a day and they can eat a few donuts and it's no big deal. And I get them Davis donuts. Well, guess what? I always loved donuts. I did. I loved that's a, a kryptonite for me when it comes to like breaking a habit. And I don't. And so when I get them, I have one. I have an Avis donut. I might even have two. And I really enjoy it. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy, Dr. Gus. Coming I really it. And I really enjoy it when I have it. I, do, I enjoy the texture, the flavor, the sense of the sugar. And Love then it. I go find a way to burn 400 calories. So it doesn't have an impact on my, I, I metabolize the sugar uh, on the other side, which I enjoy doing because I enjoy exercise. But, you know, it's not like, you know, you're not ever enjoying some of these things that have been engineered to create these pleasure responses, but you're doing it according to your desire and on your schedule, right? As you wish to, uh, which means you're actually really getting to enjoy it, the experience when it happens. And then you also have the ability to quickly uh, counter, introduce countermeasures to negate any harmful impact on you. But, you know, this freedom awaiting you and the experience of authentic health, the actual experience of it, which I would wager, I, I don't want to offend anybody, but most listeners aren't experiencing it right now, whether it's toxic and overload, gut issues, nutrient insufficiencies that are impacting mitochondria. Most people don't know what it means to be in an authentically healthy body that can perform as designed. That when you begin to experience that, the reward is so far and above any of these other things. You just never want to go back. There's a proverb as a dog that returns to its vomit, right? I want to always stuck out to me. And it's an example, right? That the dog, which is so driven by its gustatory, you know, you know, drive that it eats something that contains noxious elements that are so dangerous to the body that it vomits it back out. And the dog then goes and re-eats the vomit just to eat the food with the same noxious elements. And it's meant to say, we are a lot like that. Right. And it's like, I, there's, I just got to a point where like, I'm tired of returning to my vomit. I don't want to do that anymore. It's just time to move on. And, uh, and using all these approaches that we've described and which is all outlined in your course, I guess, like, you know, for somebody who's like a little overwhelmed right now, Jason has a course, you can go sign up and do it. And, uh, it'll teach you all of this in a way that you can just begin to implement it. And again, we're playing the long game, not the short game. So. Uh, transforming health or even optimizing health over time is a long game. It's a game you never stop playing. So instead of having it be, I've got 30 to 60 days to drop 20 pounds and to get in this type of shape and to blah, blah, blah. No, just go ahead and say, I've got, can be six months to a year. And, you know, step one is I'm going to identify that one thing that has to, you know, the one thing I've got to stop and the one thing I've got to start. And you pick one of each. And it might be that you get the jogging shoes or, or the walking shoes and you start putting them on every night and you start the mitigation plan for the soda. And it's just that you, you still have these, all these other things that you need to start and stop, but you're just starting with those couple. And then once those are your master, you move to the next and you move to the next and you move to the next and you play that game. And a year from now, you're living a new existence. Amen. And here's the thing, folks. I think we can sum this up by saying that as we start this year and knowing that you know, please come back. We're going to give you all the tools and the tactics, you know, from one of the most highly trained and widely respected um, precision health care physicians in the country is going to be telling you exactly how you do this stuff and the habits you need to form. Okay. We all know everybody listening to this 
you know you need to move. You know you need to eat well. You know you need to do things to manage your glucose level. Y'all know that. But don't just think that it's as simple as saying, I'm going to do this. You know, it's I'm I'm going to start exercising more. I'm going to start eating less. I'm going to start taking supplements. I'm going to do there is more at play. And you have, as Gus mentioned earlier in this conversation, we are in an environment that is working against us. The matrix is working against you. The next thing, next point I would like to make, and it, I, it's hard because like Gus said earlier, I'm sympathetic as well. And I have tried to not be so self-righteous because I do tend to see people and look through my eyes at them and think, why would you want to be that unhealthy? And it almost makes me angry. But then I stop to think, one, I'm very blessed with the ability, the time, whatever, to get to do the things I do. And I'm very grateful and very uh, I'm trying to be understanding of that. But I can tell you this, folks, that the, this is the reason why I decided I didn't want to have another drink for the rest of my life. And I wasn't an alcoholic. I mean, it's 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 been in my family before. And so there was an element of, gosh, I hope that never rears its, rears its ugly head in me. But more that that wasn't the driver for me. What the driver for me became was I wanted to see what it would be like if I could just optimize and be as healthy and as lucid in my thinking and emotionally as calm and managed and calculated as I could possibly be that for me as a believer that I could get as close to my creator as I possibly could. I mean, each and every one of you, for those of you who are believers, each and every one of us, you have you have the fingerprints. You literally have the DNA of the creator of the universe. At your, it's, it's there. It's in you. We are made in the image of God. For those of you who don't believe it, you got to at least believe that we're pretty incredible creatures. I mean, we're at the top of the food chain for a reason. We're pretty amazing beings. And so for me, I wanted to see how can I soak every single drop out of whatever my potential actually is? Kind of the way John Wooden and Nick Saban coach their basketball and football players. They all know it's not about wins or losses. It's about coaching their players to reach as close to their full potential as possible. If they can reach that as close to their full potential as possible, the wins and the championships will take care of themselves. And both of them have proven it in spades. Although Alabama lost yesterday, heartbroken, sucks. Can't stand that. Or was it yesterday or whenever it was two days ago? Uh, but nevertheless. And so for me, I decided I want to see just how, how healthy I can be. Just that simple. I want to see how healthy I can be. What, and what would that mean? And I can tell you right now, I do have an addiction. I absolutely have an addiction. It's not an addiction to exercise. It's not an addiction to a certain kind of food. I have an addiction to feeling good naturally. And I know that sounds weird. And I know you probably think, oh, good Lord. So many people probably rolled their eyes. But I can, I mean, it's the honest to goodness truth. I can't tell you how many times I think I talked to you, Gus, about going to my nephew's wedding and it was a party. It was awesome. One of the, it was probably the most fun wedding I've ever attended in my life. And I was shaking my white boy moves all over that dance floor. It was disgusting. It was gross. I'm the worst dancer that has ever lived. I mean, it is awful. It's a spectacle, but you know what? I had a blast and my sister, first of all, thought I was drunk. She told Jimlin, she said, I assume you're going to drive home tonight back to Tyler. And Jimlin goes, no, he'll drive. He has not had, he doesn't drink. He has anything to drink. So there's that. I had as much fun and it was as big of a goofball as anybody there. But more than anything, I always tell Jimlin after either the day after or that night, I'm like, 
aren't you glad we don't drink? Because we're going to feel this good tomorrow. Yeah. We're, we're not going to steal happiness from tomorrow and use it up today. It's going to be there tomorrow. It's, it's just this addiction to that. But it takes time, and I get it. It took me proving to myself that my hypothesis was correct, that if I did these things and really went up, pushed all my chips in and said, okay, here's what I'm doing, no more. I sort of do this every once in a while. I do this every once in a while, but just say, nope, let's just go all in on being as healthy and getting as close to my potential as I possibly can. And that's why I'm taking it up a notch with Dr. Gus this year. I mean, I want to keep moving, and it's not an obsessive, vain thing. It's just I have an addiction, and that addiction is feeling good, not being sick, having energy, being present, being calm. I have I have less stress, less anxiety than I've ever had in my entire life. And uh, that's what we want for you guys. We, we, we want so badly for everyone within an earshot of this podcast to just taste the fruit of good, authentic health, of matching our bodies and our nutrition, our movements, our sleep, uh, and trying to manipulate our environment to match the way our bodies were designed. That's what we want so badly. It's like I've, I've used the analogy before. A stock car, all stock cars in NASCAR, they're, that they're, they're stock. They're all supposed to be exactly the same. So the only thing you can do is manipulate that stock car to make it perform exactly as it was intended to at its highest level. That's the way, you know, Days of Thunder, Harry, Robert Duvall character, that's who Dr. Gus is. We've got Dr. Gus as our Harry. He can look at our bodies. He can look at us and say, here's how we're going to make you rush the laps of life as fast and as healthy as possible. And so we're so glad to have you along for the ride for another year. We're going to do everything in our power to put out incredible content. And hopefully you found this. Hopefully, if nothing else, we motivated you to stop and think about how you put some of these practices into place so that if you do have those re re uh, resolutions, God bless you. That's awesome. But start thinking about how you just take them from put something you write on paper and I'm going to do this kind of Mike, like Michael Scott on the office declaring, I declare bankruptcy. I declare my New Year's resolution. Instead, actually take the tactics to make them a reality and make it to where it's not just a habit, but that's your behavior. That's just who you, it's just how you behave. You don't have to think about it. Automaticity has taken hold and this person that doesn't drink, that exercises, that walks, that doesn't eat too much, that doesn't eat three hours before they go to bed, that does do some intermittent fasting every once in a while, that watches what they put in their body, that does do supplementation to, to keep their system cleansed, that that's just how you behave. It's not something you do out of will and out of thought. It's just how you behave. So, yeah. Well, next week, we're going to move into the typical number one New Year's resolution uh, topic, which is for most people, they want to lose some weight. And, and the thing about this approach that we'll start getting into in detail, and we'll keep it simple, but also offer some deeper understanding so you really get it, is that it's not just about losing weight. Ultimately, it's about optimizing your metabolic health, fixing nutrient issues, fixing your gut. So it's kind of like you get a lot. Uh, more than just simply improving body composition and it's sustainable over time. So we hope you'll tune in and take this journey with us because um, I appreciate Jason's compliments of me. Um, they make me blush a bit. 
But the truth is that I do have an enormous amount of experience treating patients, real human beings like you. And uh, you're going to get to learn everything that I do in my clinic and my private consultations, all the little tools that I've come up with and therapeutics that I use and tricks that I, you, you'll get inside the inside view of all of that and have the opportunity to put it to use for you. And it works. Amazing what can happen. Well, good deal. Dr. Gus, good to be back, brother. 2024. Here we go. Let's crush yeah. this. Yep. Exciting times. God bless everyone. All right. Thank you all for listening. We're out.